Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, episode 402. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I'm so glad that you're here to join us today. I'm also thrilled to introduce our guest, John Lamerton. John is an ambitious lifestyle business owner from Big Idea Mentoring. John, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. Ah, thank you for having me, Kim. Pleasure to be here. John, I can't believe I made it through that whole introduction without a blooper. I mean, considering we were going over <laughs> everything before the episode, I got it all right. <laughs> Woo! Well done, you. I can't wait to see where the rest of this chat goes. <laughs> but before we get too deep into it, my introduction doesn't even do you justice. So could you explain a little bit further what you do and how you got to where you are today? Absolutely. So yeah, I'm a former civil servant who self-taught myself how to run an internet marketing business way back in 2000, despite not knowing anything about the internet anything about marketing or anything about running business. I didn't even own a computer at the time. So I picked up a copy of Internet Marketing for Dummies, which if ever there was a book that was written just for me, I think that was the one. And I self-taught myself, managed to quit the day job within about 18 months, launched a freebie website. So it was a website directory that listed where you could get sachets of shampoo and washing up tablets and all sorts of wonderful little elements of freebies and yeah i ran that business for about five or six years so it enabled me to leave the day job which was my ultimate aim and i went from there into launching several different businesses so i'd worked in the mobile phone insurance business we had mobile phone sales we had private villa rentals mobile car insurance car breakdown cover literally i would move into a niche Literally, I'd have an idea on a Monday, get a really, really rubbish website up on the Tuesday, and it would be number one on Google by the Wednesday. And I was having quite a lot of success with this, and I was decided that I was clearly a genius, and I obviously knew exactly what I was doing. So I was building this huge, huge conglomerate business here. I mean, here in the UK, we've got a couple of guys who are kind of the poster boys of entrepreneurship in this country. You got so Richard Branson and no Lord Sugar, but at the time he was Sir Alan Sugar. He's our host of The Apprentice. Okay. Does a lot of real estate, did a lot of electronics back in the 80s. And these were the guys that I was emulating. These are the guys that I wanted to be just like. And as a result, I was working 100 hour weeks. I was just working harder than everyone else. I was pulling all nighters working 48 hours straight absolutely with a badge of honor i was loving doing this and i thought that was the business i wanted at the time i was aiming for kind of 150 million pound turnover kind of 2000 members of staff really really skyscrapers yachts helicopters the lot and it was only after the birth of my first son which was back in 2009 that reality hit home for me as i was sat in a car garage here in the UK, reading Alan Sugar's autobiography. Fantastic book. And as I said, I was emulating this guy that he was exactly who I wanted to be. I was building the next version of his business, Amstrad. You know, I, I saw myself as the next generation of Bransons and Sugars. 
until I read this one line in his book where he said, I wasn't around for my kids much when they were little. Mm. And that just hit me like a sledgehammer because I'm sat there with a three-month-old baby at home who I absolutely adore, and the world now revolves around this little child. Suddenly, yeah, these 100-hour weeks don't look quite so appealing. And the £150 million turnover, how is that going to help me be there for this child? And just in that instant, I knew that actually I was running the wrong type of business. And the business I wanted to run was the one that enabled me to be at every sports day for that for that child, for to be at every assembly, every presentation, just to be there when he came home from school, to be there during school holidays, and just to know that actually if that boy ever needs me, I'm there. I don't want him saying, you know, oh, yeah, my dad's really successful. And I know that because I read about it on his LinkedIn profile. You know, it's yeah. to me, it just didn't make any sense. And... Literally, I came home that night, ripped up our business plan, spoke to my business partner, Jason, and said, right, we're redesigning everything that we do. So screw the £150 million turnover, screw the 2,000 members of staff, screw the skyscrapers and the helicopters and the yachts. We are now going to be building an ambitious lifestyle business because lots of people deride lifestyle businesses as not real businesses or, you know, just playing at it like a hobby. And to me, I didn't want to be seen as playing at business. So I said, well, actually, we can be ambitious and have a lifestyle business. So there's no reason why I can't design my business, the kids around the lifestyle that I want to have. You know, we live here in the southwest of England. So we're, we're not in the hustle and bustle of London. We're not in the major cities here. We are out in the sticks. We're sat in the countryside. You know, if I open these doors now, you're going to hear birdsong all around you. That's the lifestyle we want. We are ambitious. We do want to make money. We do want to succeed, but not at the expense of my health, my family life. You know, I mean, so many entrepreneurs, you read their autobiographies and certainly the ultra successful ones. And the amount of times you read, yeah, it cost them a marriage cost them a health scare and that's not what I want for my life and it's not what I want for my family you know I do know because I was not there for the first couple years of my twins life and they're three Mm -hmm. now I don't remember when they took their first steps or the first words that they said because I was hustling and bustling too much in my business Mm. that's time you never get back is it no it's time I'll never get back and most of my memories I can't even say our memories They are memories because Facebook tells me that they're memories. When I log on, they're like, look at this picture that you posted two years ago or three years ago. Like, I don't remember that. Thank you for reminding me. I was sleeping two to three hours a night. Mm. I mean, it sounds like you went through that even worse. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I just sent myself into a downward spiral until I was suicidal. And... I mean, I was at the point where I was ready to give up everything, even the husband and the kids that I adore, because my business had just taken over way too Mm. much. And in all actuality, the business wasn't even producing what I wanted it to be. And I think when that happens so often, you think, I know the answer. Yeah. I need to work harder. Yeah. I need to do more. I need to spend more time in this business. And it's often not the answer. Right. (laughs) But you tell yourself, actually, if I just pull another all-nighter, we can actually get somewhere, we can get some traction. And if you look at actually how effective you are, it's probably the exact opposite is true. Oh, absolutely. I made so many mistakes. I made so many 
products and offerings that nobody wanted. Mm-hmm. But I was so busy being busy that I wasn't spending time connecting. And I certainly wasn't thinking about a lifestyle business. I would love for you to expand just a bit for people who may not be familiar with that expression, what a lifestyle business is. Yeah, or certainly a little bit of background. Here in the UK, we've got a TV show called Dragon's Den. I think it's a version of Shark Tank that you would know. Bunch of investors looking to angel investments into entrepreneurs. And there's one or two in particular in there who really, really look down on people they would call lifestyle businesses. Now, they would define a lifestyle business as not scalable, small, a hobbyist, someone who, for example, enjoys making cupcakes. And you've got this nice little business making cupcakes from your kitchen and selling them at a local market. In their mind, be a lifestyle business. Now, I would look at that and say, yes, absolutely. If the business serves the lifestyle you want, then it's a lifestyle business. Now, that could be selling cupcakes out of your kitchen. That could be selling cupcakes from a factory that actually you sell 100,000 of them every week at markets throughout the country. That can still be a lifestyle business for me. And my definition is very much, if you control the business, then you control the lifestyle and therefore you have a lifestyle business. Now, for some people, the lifestyle they want is country estates, mansions, Ferraris and foreign holidays. And if you put the work in and you work hard and you work on the right things, yeah, absolutely, you can achieve that. Certainly, a lot of the clients we work with, the lifestyle they want is to work hard enough that they don't have to work hard to be there for those children, to be there with the family. Some people, for example, say, I don't want to work Fridays or I want to work more in the winter. We've got a couple of people who I'm thinking Mm -hmm. of who they almost hibernate or it's reverse hibernation. So in the winter, they hibernate and you see them, they're sheltered away in their offices working and they don't see any daylight. But then the minute the sun comes out in the summer, all of a sudden work just out to hell with work. I'm going stand up paddleboarding tonight or I'm going kayaking or I'm going walking on the moors or I'm just playing golf. And the business allows them to do so. And it's that having that lifestyle business, which means that they're not tied to the business um, they haven't got a job. They've got a real business that actually, if I was to take the afternoon off and go and play golf, my business doesn't collapse around me. My inbox doesn't suddenly get massively full because I'm the blocker. I'm the um, the bottleneck that causes all the issues. I've got an actual, I've got a team around me. If I haven't got a team, I've got systems, I've got processes, I've got automated things, I've got outsourced third parties that can help me and i think that's something a lot of people don't do early enough is get some help in i probably ran my business for two years before i got any help in that first hire was actually jason who's now my business partner we've been working together for 15 years now he was my very first hire and it's scary to think of what i could have achieved actually if i'd taken someone on even 12 months earlier where I would be now the compound effects of those last as it is 16 17 years of business where I could be now I haven't actually brought someone in earlier on have you made any hiring mistakes along the way 
<laughs> uh-huh. Oh, just one or two. <laughs> or maybe about 37. I, I don't know. And yeah, I wrote a line in my book about hiring staff. And I said, my first staff member, Jason, is still with me today. Employee number one is still with me. However, employees number, and it was something like two, three, five, seven, eight, nine, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, seventeen, nineteen, and t- up to about thirty-seven are no longer with me. <laughs> so we've worked through quite a lot of staff, and particularly in the early days, we made a lot of bad hires because we were inexperienced ourselves. We went out and we hired people we liked. Mm-hmm. We'd interview for a role, and we say, "Yep, yeah, this guy, you know, he's a really nice guy. Let's hire him." without thinking actually is he the best candidate for the job one of the earliest mistakes we made and this would have been probably 15 years ago six, no just under jason would have been with us then and i think at the time the business consisted of me jason and a webmaster techie and we decided we wanted some customer service people and some content writers so we had hiring for two roles and we interviewed i think 11 or 12 people on this one day for these two jobs and we ended up hiring five of them. And it, it was we just completely the wrong thing to do. But we just sat there and went, wow, I like Ian. Ian's nice. Oh, I better hire Ian. Oh, yeah, but Jonathan's quite nice as well. Yeah, Jonathan's good. Wow, what about Stacey? Yeah, well, we better hire all of them. And literally, we just went out and we hired everybody. And we expanded far too quickly with, I would say, C players in terms of you know the quality. <laughs> These days, we look for A players and nothing else. We're actually hiring at the moment for an MD for our, one of our main businesses. And that process so far has taken three months. We think we've got an A player. We've now taken on a separate coach as well to manage our A player or to help our A player bed into her new role. Because we want to make sure that, that hire is absolutely right. And I think that's one of the things certainly we didn't do at the beginning was we just Oh, you're a body. Can you, are you able to sit on a chair and type? Brilliant. You've got the job. And then when they didn't work out to be very good, we crossed our fingers and hoped for the best and kind of thought, yeah, that'll be fine. It'll be okay. Somehow the magic fairies are going to come down in the middle of the night and turn this bunch of C players into the best A team you've ever seen. And for some reason, those fairies just never turned up. Yeah, they didn't turn up at my office either. It's funny. I think they must have like mislaid the address, I reckon. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I did the same thing. I hired way, and I did it twice to myself, mm. hiring way too fast and then firing way too slow. But the thing was, I committed to more than I should have. I committed to full-time work, even for contractors, without having the work in hand yet. Yeah. And when you don't have the money coming in to send the money back out, it's going to make for unhappy contractors and then oh, a lot of stress for yourself. Absolutely. And I actually did a, a bit of the same. Like I was like, Oh, this person's great. Oh, this person's great. I mean, one person told me they could do Infusionsoft and I gave them access and asked them to build a campaign, followed up with them four times and then they just disappeared. Oh no. Well, okay. Well, I guess I'm going to remove you and, and it happened a couple more times as well. And finally, I realized, okay, one person at a time. I am growing my company right now, but I'm being so much more careful. I mean, the questionnaire to get through to even be considered is not short. Because if you can't no. take the time to answer questions, well, first off, to read the questions. 
Oh, exactly. We like to put some little trick questions uh-huh. into ours now. So yeah. we'll slip a line. Something like, for instant rejection, just email your CV to, and then, okay, thank you for emailing your CV and you've now been rejected. <laughs> oh my gosh, can I borrow that? Oh, absolutely. Feel free to use it. it it's brilliant because it automatically filters out the people who just fire their CV off to everybody and don't take any attention to actually read what it is that you're looking for. Right. So just say to them, yeah, absolutely. If you want to be instantly rejected, just send me your CV. Alternatively, I'd like to see a five minute video about why you feel you're right for this job. And if you'd like to upload that to our Facebook group, we'd be happy to consider you. So how many people actually do take the time to make the video? It depends on the role. If you're going out for a, a minimum wage admin role, very, very few. If, yeah. if you're hiring for a creative, just about everybody. Yeah. Because they all want, they're like, oh my God, brilliant. You know, and they just, you can almost see their eyes light up. Excellent, a challenge. And I do, I love to put these hurdles in people's way when hiring and just think, okay, what can we do to make it really difficult for them? <laughs> that sounds really bad, but what can we do to make it really difficult for them? to get to sit in front of me and have a conversation about us hiring them. This all started because of all the bad hires I made early doors. We went something like seven years without hiring anybody, which was another mistake. And eventually we'd outsourced some writing to a guy and we were probably paying him, I don't know, seven, eight hundred dollars a month. And he kept saying to me, John, I'd love to work for you. And I just kept batting him back saying no 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 we can't do that we don't hire people we don't hire full-timers we don't take on that commitment and he just wore me down and wore me down eventually i said okay i'll tell you what now he lives in norwich which is about two hours northeast of london i live in plymouth which is about five hours southwest of london and i said well tell you what let's meet in birmingham so that's about three and a half hours on the train for me it's about three hours on the train for you at your own expense, you can, you know, we'll have an overnight stay. That'll be at your own expense. And we'll have a chat. And there's no guarantee. Yeah, I'm not advertising a job here. We're just going to have a conversation. So you travel three hours on the train at your own expense, stay overnight at your own expense, and we'll have a conversation about possibly doing something. And he was like, yeah, I'm there. And that, that was when I knew, actually, you know what? I've got a good one here because this isn't a guy who's just fired me in a CV at random. He is prepared to give up basically two days of his time, Mm -hmm. spend money to have a conversation with me about possibly working in some capacity for me for a job that doesn't even exist yet. And he is probably the best hire I've made. So you did take the trip? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we had a conversation. I think literally within 20 minutes of sitting down and having some lunch, we decided we were going to work together. And it was then a case of, okay... What are we going to do? What is this job going to actually look like? We designed a product around it and we went through the business plan and said, okay, how are we going to actually afford to pay you? What if this doesn't work out? Well, okay, we're going to have to get you doing some kind of admin role or we give it six months and if it doesn't work out, we let you go. And in the end, what actually happened was the complete opposite was he was an absolute superstar. He joined, I think, on the towards the end of September We launched a brand new product that he was needed for on the 1st of October. And by the end of November, we'd sold enough units of that product to guarantee his wages for a year. Oh, my goodness. 
Wow. That was a real eye-opener, yeah. That actually, oh my God, again, what have I been doing for the last seven years? Turning people away, saying, no, we don't employ anyone. And there's superstars like that. Out. I think that was the moment when I realized what a difference it makes having an A player, having a superstar in your team, mm-hmm. as opposed to a B player, a C player. C players are okay. You give them 10 years and they might be able to double your business. But you put an A player in your business for 10 years and watch it fly. Yeah, absolutely. So I just need to back up a second. I actually put into my questionnaires trick questions like, before you even write anything, tell me what your favorite flavor of ice cream is. Nice. And it's just ignored so often. <laughs> like Because they're not reading it. They just don't yep. read the project description. It's just... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So... One of our questions, we were hiring a copywriter once and I set them a task. Uh, I think we gave them one sheet of A4. And so I want you to rewrite this in less than 100 words. And they obviously read it as no less than 100 words. And we ended up with another essay. He basically wrote it, our one page of A4 on two sides of A4. (laughs) Okay, didn't read the question. Off you go. Wow. And for a copywriter especially, I mean, they need to be so clear. Exactly. Attention to detail. It's quite important if you're a copywriter. So where have you taken the business to now and how many hours would you say that you are working in your business on a weekly basis? Okay. Well, it's an interesting one because we've now got a couple of different businesses. So I went from having about 30 businesses at one time down to really focusing on one, which was in the sports betting sector. And we're now kind of working with other business owners so we're doing a lot more joint ventures a lot more sort of angel investments so other than the sports betting business which so we've just hired the md for so at the moment i'm doing about 20 to 25 hours a week in that business but that's going to be changing big time over the next few months and basically once our md is up and running i'm going to be spending about a day a month in the business and the rest of the time working with our joint venture partners so we've got an outsourced telesales company and we've got a lead generation company and we're just investing at the moment in a mortgage brokerage so i'm now working with other ambitious lifestyle business owners so people who again they're not looking to exit for 15 million dollars three years time having taken on some vc money these are guys who they want you know i mean the mortgage brokerage is a great example because the guy is where i was back in kind of 2006 2007 He's got a young family. He's working every hour that God sends and he's making good money, but he's aware that he's at capacity. At the moment, his only option is to work harder and that's going to end up killing him. So one of the things we're doing is going into his business now and saying, okay, what systems and processes can we put into place to help you, to help lighten that load, to make sure that actually what you're doing, because you're going to be working full time in the business, that's fine. But what you're doing in the business is the most effective use of your time because you're the business owner. You're the guy who's a licensed uh, mortgage broker. I physically can't run that business for you. What I can do is make sure that you've got enough admin support, make sure that you've got marketing support, making sure that you've got systems and processes in place so that inquiries come in and are dealt with and the admin is dealt with and the photocopying is all being done. You know, why the guy who is the chief income generator for the company who can go off speaking on stage and bring in 
£30,000 worth of business is stood at the photocopier, photocopying documents, I have no idea. But that's the situation he's in at the moment is he's thinking he needs to do everything himself. I want him on stage more often. I want him recording YouTube videos. I want him doing those two, $3,000 an hour tasks. At the moment, he's doing the $10 an hour tasks as well. And then telling me he hasn't got time for the most important stuff, you know? Uh, Yes, I do know. Last, um, let me think, August, September, October, November, somewhere in there, there were about three months where I was doing the podcast editing for myself. And after the fact, when I started seeing red in the bank account, let's just be totally honest, I was like, why? What's going on here? And then I looked and I was spending 75 hours a month editing my own podcast instead of doing my client work. Yeah. Like, why? Hello, Kim. You know, that just cost you. And I did the math. I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, I looked at what that would have made me over three months. Yeah. I was like, ah, kick yourself in the butt a few times. People don't do that, do they? No. Have I learned my lesson completely since then? No. But part of that is that I've been scared to hire. Same as what you already talked about. So I've been dragging my feet. I mean, I've been getting big projects where I honestly can't do it all. Listeners, please listen and absorb so you don't fall into this. And I've realized I need to hire support because I shouldn't be telling my kids, I'm sorry, I can't go to your orchestra concert. I mean, the only good excuse for me not going to an orchestra concert right now, in full disclosure, is the fact that little siblings can't sit still and be quiet and they try to climb on stage. (laughs) So we'll stay home rather than go and ruin yeah right but me being busy with a client is not good reason i mean these concerts only happen once yeah exactly you don't want to be seeing that that facebook update again three years time so i don't remember that one oh that's why that's because i wasn't there yeah 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 exactly yeah definitely Uh, not i remember being there i remember having that first hire and how scary that first hire was and that's why i think i heard jason because he was a friend of a friend that's okay i'll hire a friendly face someone i know that if it doesn't work out i can just say to him sorry mate i can't afford to pay you this month but i think so many people are so reticent to actually take that first step and they, they make it scarier than it is it's one of our clients she's a legal executive here and she's she was running a very very successful business but she was doing all of her own admin all of her own paperwork she was still cleaning her own house and it was a conversation we had around probably about 18 months ago now and i said to her right what's your billable hourly rate and she said well i'm quite proud my billable hourly rate is 90 pounds an hour so i don't know what that is in dollars probably 160 160 dollars an hour something like that i said okay would you pay somebody 90 pounds an hour to push a hoover around your house no chance of course i wouldn't okay would you pay someone 90 pounds an hour to do some paperwork no no that's ridiculous i said well that's what you're currently paying yourself to do those jobs because whilst you're doing those jobs you're not billing a client 90 pounds an hour for that work so if you get someone in and you pay them 15 20 pounds an hour to do those jobs you can then resell that same hour for £90, therefore making a nice big profit and you don't have to push a hoover around your house. 
Absolutely. And I think I saw that light bulb go on above her head and thought, oh, okay. Yeah, I can actually, it's not a zero sum game. It's not a, I'm going to hire someone and that's an expense. It's I'm going to hire someone. That's an expense, which means that I can then resell my time that I would have spent doing that for more money. Therefore, right. it, it's, a, it's a positive sum game. And I mean, the other thing that people don't, or the other thing that people do tend to do when hiring is they look at it and say, right, what's the risk? So if I'm going to hire someone 30000 a year, they look at that as being a $30,000 risk. Well, it's not. It's potentially a $5,000 risk if you give them six weeks to prove themselves. Right. Because no one sits, well, all right, I, I did in the early days, but very few people sit there and say, well, I'm just going to give them a chance for a year and see what happens. You know very, very quickly if things are working out or not. And if they're not, then you bite the bullet, you let them go and you say, okay, I've lost a few thousand. Or you say, this is really working well and happy days, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, Lang, who just does so much in my business, she had a 30-day trial. But I told her after a week or two, uh, you've already passed. Yeah. You've yeah. passed. And you, she you just continues. know. When you've got an A player, you know. Yeah. So have you found better success with... Maybe this is too generalizing because it could be different. But with people who are new or experienced in the area, and I know there are some areas like a content writer, you're not necessarily going to bring in somebody who's just starting out because you need to see what they've produced. However, I found for some positions that I want to train the way that I want it done. So if I bring in people who are experienced, it doesn't always necessarily work out better because I want it done my way. Yep. They already know the best way. Yeah. Trust me, I've been doing this for 20 years. It's the other thing of have you got 20 years experience or have you got one year's experience 20 times? Mm-hmm. And yeah, thinking back over my best hires, my worst hires. Yeah, probably my best ones have been the inexperienced ones. They have been the guys who actually we can mold them and we, we've hired for attitude rather than aptitude. And we say, right, if your attitude is spot on and we can train you and give you all the knowledge you need, that's better than I've been doing this for 20 years a particular way for a different company in a different sector. But it's that, well, I know what I'm doing better than you do. And yeah, if I think back to the hires we've made, without a doubt, the superstars have almost all been relatively inexperienced, but super keen to learn to grow the guys who are very aware of their self-worth are those that tend to move on quite quickly perhaps a little bit of a culture clash they don't quite fit again we run a very strange company here and the ambitious lifestyle business ethos isn't for everyone you know every single member of our team works from home every single person chooses their own hours they work around school runs or as i said they some of them don't work Fridays or they don't work afternoons or they prefer to work. And we've, got, we've had coders in the past who their working hours are kind of six in the evening, seven in the evening until four in the morning. And you know, then when they fall asleep and collapse on a cold pizza, that's the end of their working day. But you know that you're never going to raise them until three in the afternoon because they are just sleeping off. That's what works best for them. And trying to fit people into a rigid nine to five routine just doesn't work for them i think 
there's certain people who haven't fitted into the culture are those who think as soon as they see you're working from home, choose your own hours, they think that's going to be an easy life. And they think that, oh, that's great. It's it's a lifestyle business. They they think that because we are a lifestyle business, they ignore that first word, ambitious. Yeah. And they ignore that last word, business. Yeah. And they just go, oh, lifestyle. Oh, great. That means I'm going to work two hours a day and I'm just going to coast through the rest of the time and I'm going to get 15 weeks holiday a year and it's going to be brilliant. And there are weeks when it's like that, but predominantly you're working pretty hard most weeks and some weeks you are working very hard. There are occasional weeks where sports betting business, so things like Champions League finals and World Cup coming up soon and we've got the Cheltenham Festival for the horse racing. When that happens and the two or three weeks preceding those happening, it's all hands to the pump. It's, well, I need you to work 100 hours a week this week and no you can't have any leave and no you can't have friday afternoon off but once that festival is out of the way or once the sporting event is out of the way as far as i'm concerned take the week off if you want because i'd rather you were here giving me a hundred percent at the time when i need you to we can coast most of the time and i think we do there's a thing in the fitness world called high intensity interval training and i like to think that we work our business in the same way so the interval training is basically you work at your absolute limits for, I don't know, 20 seconds and then you rest hmm. for 10 seconds and you just do that in intervals. And I think that's the way we work in business. We work at 100% for, I don't know, maybe an hour a day and then we coast the rest of the day. The majority of people, they'd sit at their office or they sit at their desk and they pretty much coast at 70 to 80% of their potential all day long. When I was doing the 100-hour weeks, I could coast at 70% for about 48 hours solid, but I didn't actually achieve very much. Nowadays, I do 100% for an hour, maybe an hour and a half, and then I really coast the rest of the day. If you walk past my office when I've done my kind of intervals, my hard work, and you think, well, he's not really doing anything. He's just sitting there moving paper around the desk, surfing Facebook, answering the odd email here and there. How is this guy successful? Because I'm not seeing any evidence of the work going into it. Whereas actually, I was going to say, if you see me during my 100% time, but you won't because the door's locked, the blinds are down, the email's off, the Facebook is off, I'm tunnel vision on my one task for that day for as long as it takes. You've got me thinking about my own business now. Oh my gosh. Listeners, I just need to tell you that solo episodes, which are the odd number episodes of Positive Productivity Podcast, are usually recorded the day that they're released. Full disclosure, like sometimes I just need to wait for the inspiration to hit. And at the time that this is being recorded, this episode won't be released for a month and a half. But my solo episodes are all talking about how I realize that I'm the roadblock or the bottleneck in my business, how I need to be hiring in. And I'm thinking while you're talking about this, that my peak performance hours for myself, I know that they're between 6 and 9 a.m. Unfortunately, there's also kids that come in during that time. But when I get up at 6 until they wake up at 8, holy moly, I get so much done in that time. 
Then I get interrupted for about an hour and a half. And when I come back, I would have to say that for the rest of the day, I'm at that 70%. Yeah. But now you've got me thinking about... That's fine. If you've got that 100% for an hour and a half, I don't see that's a problem. As long as you do work at 100%, you don't think, okay, I've got a couple of hours. Let me just check emails first. Let Mm -mm. me just clear the Facebook feed first. It's like, actually, no. If you're at your peak state at 6 a.m., and you're not interrupted until 8 a.m., you've got two hours a day that you can work at 100% on one thing. Yeah, but now you got me thinking about, okay, who do I need to bring on who can take on two or three of my 70% hour tasks Mm. that it would be at their 100% to work on that for an hour or two? And bang, it's done And I do want to share that when I hired so many people, it was sort of out of necessity because I was coming back from maternity leave with my twins. I didn't have any clients. I put out way too many proposals. I said yes to every single offer I got. Bad idea when you don't know who your ideal client is, at least in my line of work, and you take on work you're not inspired by. I took on 30 new clients as a solopreneur in a month. Wow. So I had to hire I also got all those clients because I didn't have confidence to charge my worth. Mm. So when I brought those people on, this is no exaggeration. I was billing $50 an hour and I was paying my team members, pardon the dog, in 30 to $45 an hour. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you can see where that went. That doesn't leave much for you, does it? Well, I mean, the way that I was finding work was going places like Upwork. I had to pay fees. Yeah. Every client invoice that came in, I got fees taken off of that. So in the end, in some cases, I was winding up in the negative. Yeah. And it did not work well. Well, since then, my rates have gone up a lot, to say the least. And... Even if I still bring in people at 30 to 45, it's not going to hurt my business. And I just got a sort of an aha on this last week. I was an interior designer for 10 years and I was working for large corporate firms designing really swanky offices in New York City. And I was a little bit raw at the point because I was getting paid what worked out to be about $20 an hour. Okay. However, they were billing me at $120 an hour <laughs> and they had all the overhead that went along with me. So when I am providing this work and I'm providing them income and such, I mean, I'm not providing health benefits, but they don't have to go do all the work themselves. They don't need to be doing the marketing. They don't need to be flying to events and setting about time to have the interviews with the prospective clients that sometimes take hours and doing all the proposal work because there's admin that will have to support us as well. Oh, you just gave me a huge kick in the butt this is not my peak performance (laughs) hours but now i'm wondering what can i do tonight because actually i do have a question on that and i know that there's so much more to having a lifestyle business and i'm actually thinking that we should have a part two to this because there's so much more than just support there is systems and i don't know that we should get into self-care because we've already talked about the fact that there are weeks that you like charge ahead at 100 hours but some might just be a few hours. But how many managers do you have to support and lead your team? Because in my opinion, I can't manage all my team members myself. No. 
actually got quite a small team. So there's only a team of six. And so at the moment, it's myself and Jason managing them. But we're bringing in the MD. So literally, that MD will manage the team of six. And Oh, MD as in managing director? Yes, yes, I was exactly. thinking doctor. <laughs> I was okay, like, yeah. You're bringing on a staff doctor? We're bringing oh. in a doctor to look after these. Well, actually, some of them could probably use a doctor, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that makes a whole bunch more sense now. Okay. So so we're bringing in the managing director. So her role will be to manage that team of six. Oh, I love uh, that. Because I was thinking 12, but I would yeah. love to, because I already have five and I yeah. need to get two or three more. So. Oh. Yeah, we've done the forward planning. I think she can manage up to about 12 mm-hmm. before we need to then look at sub levels of manager. And then you have... So as a civil servant, so I'm used to kind of manager, line manager, sub manager, right? <laughs> you know, manager to the manager, manager. Right. Well, thank you for sharing that because it's one thing to be owning the business. It's another thing to be implementing and doing all the copy, the photocopying mm-hmm. yourself. But there's still, I think this is another fail of entrepreneurs is once you do start growing to forget about that MD level in between. Yeah, Absolutely. As entrepreneurs, we want to do the shiny new objects. We always want to do the fun stuff. And we don't really want to manage a business, which is where if you bring a manager in, someone who loves to manage a business and doesn't want to do all the shiny stuff and doesn't want to be on stage talking and recording podcasts and doing live Facebook videos and putting themselves out there and then going off and doing a brand new business because that's what excites them. That's where the magic happens. You've got that entrepreneurial flair of the owners. And I think we're getting this now with our our sports betting businesses. Because we're bringing a manager in, that's going to free myself and Jason up from the day-to-day, which means that when we do come into that business and say our our plan is one day a month, we are going to be so, so (laughs) excited. We're going to be so energized. We're going to be full of ideas for that business. Because what that MD is suddenly going to get one day a month is the founders, the entrepreneurial spirit of just the raw energy I think us entrepreneurs have all concentrated at 100% for a day. And then the rest of the time, I don't even think about it. So my 100% time is then going to be spent like the day before or two days before that meeting planning right what can i do for this business let me focus 100 percent on that business for the next 90 minutes two hours and then i can coast at 50 percent during the actual meeting because i've done the hard work i've done the sharpening of the axe mm. i've really put a lot of thought into the strategy without then needing to worry about the implementation of the tactics that's then somebody else's job And as entrepreneurs, we all want to do the strategy and that's all we're going to do all day long. We don't actually want to see things through. And the majority of entrepreneurs where they fall down is because they're too entrepreneurial and they just don't implement. They don't see things through. They have lots of ideas, but (laughs) ideas are 10 a penny. It's the action. I'm laughing because one of the biggest things that I want to be working on is my book, which you, the listener out there have heard me talking about for the past almost two years now. My book is called (laughs) Chronic Idea Disorder. Okay. It's the entrepreneur's guide to, I haven't figured out if it's conquering or overcoming idea overwhelm. Because I have an idea graveyard in my backyard. 
Yeah. It's all those ideas that I had that I bought domains for, started building sort of half-ass, right? And then just abandoned when the next idea came along. Yep. And there was, had I had team members to build it, some of them may have become something. A whole bunch of them would have still been trashed, but it wouldn't have been all my time when there was something better to be done. Yeah. But in the meantime, while I've still been doing all the client work myself, the book hasn't been getting written. <laughs> I have agents waiting for it. I have a publisher waiting for it. I have magazines waiting to do an article. And the book is still in my head because those peak performance hours in the morning are being taken up by other stuff. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you've got me on fire. So two hours a day, 100%, five days a week. How long for that book is a reality? I actually want to have it written by the end of the summer 2018. First draft. Fantastic. That sounds like a deadline. That sounds like a public accountability as well. Oh, yeah. Actually, I just put out an episode earlier this week that between Memorial Day and Labor Day in the United States, there's 14 weeks. And I've seen a lot of people have 90-day programs. Yep. Yep. We work 90-day programs here. Yep. Yep. So 14 weeks is just a little bit over 90 days. But I figure with my kids at home and such, that's a perfect time for me. I'm going to yeah. I'm going to get this book written in the next 14 weeks. Fantastic. Oh, and I'm going to build my team slowly with the 18 people in the process so that while I'm writing, we still have money coming in that's paying. Because listeners, in case you're curious, I mean, my rate has more than quadrupled in those last three years. And so let's just say it's 200. I don't know when you're listening to this, but if it's 200 and I'm paying somebody 30, that's 170. That's paying for five team members for that hour. Yeah. That's, that's proper leverage, isn't it? Yeah. Oh my gosh. John, I don't know how to thank you. I mean, well, you can send me a signed copy of the book. Oh, I will do that. I mean, I had a bit of a delay shipping to the UK, but I should get it by September, shouldn't I? You'll get the e-copy in September. Oh, fantastic. No delay. Brilliant. First draft. Yes. Because then my mom has told me to just hire a ghostwriter. So I stopped talking about writing the book. But this is something that I really want to do myself. Yep. Obviously, I published my book last year. You've got to get your own story in your own words out there. There's no substitute for that at all. Yeah. I mean, the same with hosting the podcast. Exactly. Yeah. I couldn't get somebody else to come on and tell my story. So how am I going to get somebody else to write my book? I mean, I'm not saying that ghostwriting is wrong. For all the listeners, I'm not saying it's wrong. For some people, it's a great model. Just for me, I mean, it's burning inside me. It wants to get out. But because I've been burning the candle at both ends and doing too much, it's just there simmering and about to burn. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I think it's useful having that 90-day plan to say you can achieve some real amazing stuff like publishing a book in 90 days yeah and it's just breaking that down into those steps and saying okay if i can have an hour 90 minutes two hours every day just working at 100 percent on that one task and it's focusing on that one task and say okay if i achieve nothing else in the next 90 days other than the rest of the business stays as it is we plateau but i launch my book geez that's a good three months I'm happy with that. And if you do that four times a year, what a year you've had. Yeah, that would be absolutely phenomenal. Do you by any chance know who I can credit for the quote, rich people spend money to save time and poor people spend time to save money? Oof. Have you heard that before? I've heard it, yeah. 
I can't remember who to credit. Listeners, I will look it up. But that's just what has been going through my head this whole conversation. Yeah. I mean, I've just finished reading Elon Musk's biography. And there's an excellent story in there which sums that up perfectly about his refusal to spend $2,000 on a particular part. This is for SpaceX. So he won't spend $2,000 on a particular part for one of his rockets. However, he will happily charter a jet for $90,000 in order to save three hours of time. And that's his thing is time is absolutely money. And he talks in terms of daily revenue. So his Mm -hmm. targets are, I think it's Tesla, target was $10 million per day. Per day, wow. Per day, yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. His focus is time. We've only got a finite number of time. He is a not a normal person, I think, <laughs> in the way that he thinks. And you know, his attitude to money is, well, I know how to generate money, so that's easy. I don't know how to generate more time because that's physically impossible. So therefore, I'm going to do whatever I can to save time. And yeah, you know, people send him a five-page email and he replied with one word, yeah. And wow. like, okay. <laughs> and he just say, why are you bringing this to me? He is absolutely religious about his time and i think yeah i'd love to know who that quote was it's one of the things i think i try and live my life by but often it is difficult because well i could just do that myself that's the easy option is to just do it myself rather than actually finding someone else who can do this yeah absolutely i mean i finally hired somebody to mow our lawn because it was time that my husband didn't have it was pain he has a back problem so it was creating more pain in not just physical pain than it was worth. Oh, absolutely. $30 a week, just $30 yep. has done so much. And yeah. the lawn always looks great. We're not like the laughing stock of the whole neighborhood. And it's- so I'm, I'm laughing now because I'm sat in my kitchen now looking out over my lawn and it's just been cut by the gardeners today. And it's, I remember going through this exact process a couple of years ago where I would go out and I would mow my own lawn and it would take me about an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Now the gardeners come and it takes them 15 minutes. Are they on the riding mower too? They've got the petrol mowers. It's not a ride-on. I'd love a ride-on mower. If I did have a ride-on mower, I probably would do it myself just for the enjoyment of having yeah. a ride-on. <laughs> but they do a better job than me. They do it quicker than I can. And it costs me like, yeah, probably about the same, probably about $30. Yeah. Now what I can do, or what I did in that initial time was think, Initially, oh my God, $30, that's quite a lot every week to have this done. So I said to myself, okay, when the gardeners arrive, look out of the window and see, and by the time they've finished, you've got to have done something that's earned $30. Mm-hmm. And as long as you do that, you're not in any negative equity whatsoever. You've profited on the deal. And then I actually told myself, well, actually, I don't need to earn $30 in 20 minutes whilst the gardeners are here. I need to earn $30 in the hour and a half that it would have taken me to do that job. Absolutely. Never mind the fact that they do a better job than me and my lawn actually looks good now and it's not full of pits and dips and ups and downs and long bits. (laughs) Yep. I actually just had that conversation, I think, with my 15-year-old last week or the week before. Mm -hmm. I'm waiting for him to chime in because he's home from school now. But we had to run to the grocery quick. And I said, I can't wait until I can just get it through my thick head to place the orders online and then we'll pick them up because we can, yeah. we have like a drive through at the grocery 
And he's like, well, mom, that's going to cost $5. And I said, well, yes, but the hour, hour and a half in the store is going to cost me that hour, hour and a half of billable time with a client. Plus it's going to cost all the extra stuff that winds up in the cart because I'm walking through the store. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. John, what is one tool that you use in your business that you could not go without or you wouldn't want to? Oh, now for me, it's I'm proper old school with my pen and paper planners. So we mentioned earlier about like 90 day planners. I literally today have planned out the next 90 days of my business. And it's, I've just sat here with a blank sheet of paper and I've planned out what my big three goals are for the next 90 days what my stepping stones are each month that's going to help me get towards those big three goals. And then I'm going to plan those out on a week by week basis on my, like an A4 weekly planner. Again, it's, it's pen and paper. <laughs> it's, it sounds strange, but in this world of connectivity and apps and websites, and I've run online businesses for the best part of 18 years now. And yet the one tool that I could not do without is pen and paper and thinking time. If you give me a pad of paper, a pen, and an hour, I will make some money. I love to hear that because I actually have my journal with my pen right next to me and I use it every single day. And it it just is so much more efficient for me than any, oh, okay, I can't say any tech tool because there are lots of tech tools that I use in the background, but for my brain, I need it because they're just things I can't do in Evernote or in Google Docs. Exactly, exactly. I mean, my business partner, Jason, swears by things like Evernote and Trello and mm-hmm. Asana and all, all these wonderful tools. And I, I keep saying to him, yeah, print it off, <laughs> put it on paper, and I'll look at it. Yep. <laughs> if it's an online tool, it's just a distraction for me. I don't want distractions. So when I'm working at my 100% time, everything's shut apart from what I'm working on. I don't want – I got my new phone last year, and the first thing I did was turn off all the notifications because it was just pinging at me. And I thought, I don't want to be pinged at. I don't want to be interrupted. I want this to be a tool that serves me, not the other way around. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I have all notifications off on my phone too. Now, if I could just turn off the kid interruptions sometimes, that would be amazing. (laughs) If you figure figure out how to do that, let me know. Oh, I sure will. (laughs) Yeah. Besides duct tape and super glue, I haven't figured it out yet, but those aren't exactly legal. So... Yeah. I'll keep television on is the newest thing to it I think you know <laughs> I know <laughs> listeners full disclosure last night the littles wanted their tablets to go to bed and we were just so pooped we finally just said okay and they went to sleep easier than they have in months and I, I feel sort of like a rotten mama yes I sent my children to bed with their tablets yeah it was finally a night of no fighting no biting no sk- no spitting, no kicking, no pull, no hair pulling. And none of us getting locked in their bedroom. So they've locked us in before, John. No, oh, no. Yeah. Where can listeners connect with you online? The easiest place is either LinkedIn or Facebook. Probably Facebook is where I hang around the most. So, yep, yeah, I'm John Lamerton on there. That's probably the easiest place to find me. Awesome. Listeners, the link's to John will be in the show notes, which you can find at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP402. John, this has been an absolute pleasure. I want to thank you so much for being on. You've given me a big kick. (laughs) Fantastic. Yeah, I love getting so much inspiration. And listeners, I hope you found just as much inspiration as well. 
Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can offer to listeners? Ooh. Yeah, I was on a podcast recently and the host said to me, just as a throwaway comment, he said, oh, you're like the king of routine. This is a comment that sat with me ever since. And I think I'm now embracing this king of routine mantra because I think back to all the success I've had in any of the businesses where we've had success and it's all come down to doing the right things routinely. It's about finding what's your optimal time of day to be working at. Can I work at 100% routinely every single day? Can I do the same things at the same time every day? Can I do the same things on the same day of the week every week? And it, the routine you've got will ultimately result in the lifestyle that you want. You don't decide your success. You decide your habits and your routines and your habits and routines are what decide what success you have. And I think anyone who's suffering with lack of time, overwhelm, procrastination, the first place to look is your routine. What are you not? What are you doing? Yeah, we can all smash it out of the park every now and then. But what are you doing routinely? What are you doing every day? Because that is the stuff that really makes a difference. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level. 